ูขายลูทีดรังลู Listening to what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism, featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism, and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's This Dao All About? My name is still Todd Perry, and I'm with the great Dr. Carl Totten. I'm still Carl Totten. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Hello. I had this weird thought the other day. Oh, wait. First of all, on today's show, we're going to go over some lis- listener mail about creativity, and we're going to go over Chapter 19 of the Tao Te Ching. Um, I was thinking the other day, you know they have those bracelets with the, like, WW... Uh, what would Jesus do? The WW, what is it? WWJD. Mm-hmm. The bracelets that people have or the shirts. Like, what would Jesus what do? What would Jesus do? Yes. And, and I was thinking if we ever had merchandise from this show, which I would always feel weird making money off of because it's the Dow and, you know, it's. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, we, we should make shirts that say WWLDPD. And that is, what would Lu Dong Bin do? <laughs> right? <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes I think to myself, what would Lu Dongbin do in this situation? What would Lao Tzu do? What would Lao Tzu do? Exactly. What would the Buddha do? What would the Buddha do? Maybe Lao Tzu would do nothing. Right? When nothing is done. Nothing is left undone. Yeah, there you go. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. Uh, uh, we love hearing from you on Twitter. I- I'm going to be better at it's funny, we did the whole show about digital detachment, but I think it's okay to spend some time on Twitter for the show and for the listeners who are, you got, you, people send us wonderful messages over Twitter and have fun uh, often, so it's at What's This Dow on uh, Twitter to follow us there. I was going to do a Facebook page, but it's, it's too much to be running 20 different social, you'll find us on Twitter, everybody's on Twitter, right? Everybody we're talking to is on Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, let's start off today uh, with a listener mail. This one hits close to home. Uh, I was very happy to get this one. Uh, and it starts off, Hi, Todd and Dr. Totten. First of, first of all, I'd like to thank you for being such a great show to the, for the public. You always got to read the, 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 the show's great part for, 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 our, for our egos. Uh, I appreciate your commentary on the Dow. I like listening to this. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I have a question about artists and the Tao. Many artists have rituals that they perform before engaging in their artistic work. Some have been known to need complete silence. Some have drank alcohol. Some have done drugs. And here I'm thinking of literary writers like Hemingway, Jack Kerouac, Charles Bukowski from San Pedro, California, and even writers from the past like Rimbaud and Baudelaire. From what I have read, it seems like they all engage in this pre-writing process in an effort to get closer to the muse, or maybe as a Taoist would put it, to get in the quote-unquote flow. What advice do you have for artists and writers who wish to engage the muse or to get in the flow with the help of the Tao? Are there meditation or thought processes you have heard 
of others using. Um, thank you for the great show again. Good question. Great question, in fact. Especially for anyone, again, who's uh, uh, part of the creative uh, process, whether, you know, writers or artists or, you know, inventors or, you know, whoever. Oh, don't take me rude, Dr. Carl, because I didn't print out my response to him, which I have in my phone. So continue. I'm not being rude. I just want no, to pull no, it up. Fine. I just want to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. You have an answer, and I had an answer for this gentleman as well. I said, um, I think his name was da uh, Daniel. <clears throat> Dear Daniel, thank you for your nice comments. You know, the artistic state is highly individual and, as you stated, many individuals perform all sorts of actions to access it. As a writer and poet myself, I also connect with an artistic sensibility and write from there all of the time. What I do might assist you as well. And what I do is to move into an intuitive state of consciousness through meditation. Uh, after doing some progressive relaxation, uh, I do some visualization of uh, beautiful places in nature, uh, on the earth. Uh, I actually feel and imagine as if I'm actually in my, say, a favorite spot, perhaps out in the meadow or in the mountains or in a forest or under a beautiful desert sky at night or by a river or by the ocean. And I fully immerse myself in a spot within nature because, as you we all know, Taoism is a nature practice. Mm -hmm. The ancient Taoists felt that our charge, if you will, is to be one with nature. And so to begin my creative process, I either physically put myself out in nature or mentally and in terms of imagery, place myself in that spot. Now, now, Dr. Carl, real quick, as a, as a point on that, would you think that in the same way, let's say if you were, you were writing something that was maybe edgy or whatever, you, would it be as valuable from a Taoist perspective to put yourself in a chaotic headspace or whatever to then be able to communicate that? Or is it more of a point of going to nature to go to that point where you can allow the muse to speak and it could speak to whatever or... Right, because if I, I think that by b being in a um, being, especially being attached to chaotic states, uh, I mean I think we exist in that is enough as it is. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I'm I'm trying to kind of maybe go someplace else <laughs> because that's all around all the time anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to go very far to find chaos <laughs> right. and disharmony. I mean that's uh, we we kind of swim in that sea yeah, far true. too often. Mm -hmm. So. After and do I do some deep breathing, and then whether I'm going to trying to create something that's uh, more you know rhythmic and peaceful and harmonious, or I'm dealing with some topic that involves um, more in, un, instability, what I do is simply after done having done those preliminaries, I simply sit and stare into the void. And as I do so, all of the words that I need for my writings or my poetry just flow from the Tao without effort. Wu Wei. I right. don't have to struggle. It's a direct download of just pure inspiration. Um, the, the fact there's actually a well-known book that I suggested that uh, Daniel might want to read called Creativity and Taoism by a oh. man named uh, Chung, Chung Yuan Chang. 
which may help. You know, Dao, Daoists have written about the creative process. Oh, I'd love to read that. That would yes. be hugely yeah. beneficial to me. So that was some advice I had for um, our uh, listener. Okay. Well, let's see. So he was talking about writing, and that's 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 how I make my. That's how I pay the mortgage. You know, uh, yes. as, as a writer, and and so personally, uh, I think. There's one. There's one. The first thing that starts off is the the idea of being in touch with the muse and everything. And there's a Stephen King. I don't know. This may have nothing to do with Taoism, but Stephen King in his book on writing says that if you know if you need to get in touch with the muse, you're in the wrong business. He's like, I sit down and I I knock out you know ten thousand words a day, and <laughs> it's just what it's just what he does. And you you have to, or else some t- if you wait around to be inspired all the time, you're you might be in bad shape, <laughs> but but versus Dr. Carl, where you're t- talking about putting yourself in the headspace to be in touch with you know the muse or be able to kind of automatically write and get yourself out of the way and just let it flow through you. Exactly, which I think is a great great way to be. I I know that when I'm when I'm thinking of every word, that's I'm done. It needs right. to be in a point where it just flows out of you, and you know right. it's, it's like walking. If, if you're walking, a going left foot, right foot, left oh, foot, forget right it. foot, <laughs> you're you, done. You're <laughs> over. You're over it. Well, it's like where I was it's watching. like when you're in a room with people and you're very self-conscious. Yes, you, you cannot be yourself at all. <laughs> yes, or like I was watching a movie the other day. It was Karina Karina with Whoopi Goldberg and Ray Liotta, and Ray Liotta's trying to write a song. And he's sitting there at the piano, like kind of going note for note, writing mm. it. And I was like, nobody mm. writes that way. No. You just, no. <laughs> it's writing the creative process, I've found, is, is like vomiting. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And you just get it out and then you edit it later. Right? Yes. But the key is just getting it out. And getting it out is not being exactly. precious. You can be precious about each word after you've right. uh, expelled everything. Right. You can go back and edit. <laughs> yeah. And sculpt and craft your words. Uh, you know, and I've found that. For me now, the difference it'll be it'll be different from uh, Mr. Mendoza. Um, for me, uh, I know the type of day when I'm in clear-headed and I'm in the right kind of headspace, and so I know that if I start at eight thirty in the morning, from eight thirty to about noon one, I'm going to do much better, be much more productive, and it's going to be easy for me. If I try to do it at three, I don't know what it is. My mind isn't there. I don't have it anymore. I can't get anything at that hour of the day. Yeah. Well, and also there are natural rhythms to the day. At the mm-hmm. beginning of the day, you know, it's very much again the Taoists always look to nature. <laughs> you know, we're 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 spinning, we're a planet, we're spinning, we're going around the sun, and all these type of things, right? And so in the morning, it's like the spring. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like a birth, right? And then we've got a summer. Right now, we're kind of in the afternoon, and then we have kind of a fall. And now we're in the late afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the evening, right? And it's kind of like the winter. We're ready to settle back down, go back to bed and wake up. So if you started at the stage three <laughs> and didn't really be- begin at the beginning, so to speak, you're kind of out of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why I think you feel maybe more stagnant if you start at three in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, yeah. rather than starting in the morning. By the time you got, if you started in the morning, by the time you got to three, you'd probably be very fruitful. Right. But if you just started at three and didn't have that buildup, that natural buildup of the energy, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're out of flow. You're out of time. Yeah. You're out of the creative rhythm. Yes. Yes. And now the time may be totally different for him, but I think the key is knowing your Tao. Knowing you your know. own internal clock. Mm-hmm. Because some people may not wake up until three and then that's the start of their day. 
Well, <laughs> uh, Hunter Thompson. If, if that's their biorhythm. Yeah. Hunter Thompson would write at three every, you wake up at three every day. And then <laughs> of course, that may have been because he had so many chemicals in his brain, his body, that he couldn't wake up until then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The good doctor. Oh, I love the good oh, doctor. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he, uh, he also asked about, like, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever when it comes to creativity. And I found that actually I do my best writing when I've just got a cup of coffee in my hand. There's been some times when I've had a few beers and I feel a little loose and something good comes out. But actually I find that um, just uh, writing clear, clear-headed clear is the best way to go. Um, but in, in other times, you know, I don't have any problem. With, you know, things like psychedelics and all those things are great at changing one's consciousness and, mm-hmm. and it has been helped my life. Children, turn off the show. Uh, have helped my life in amazing ways, and, and and I think they're great. But just physically writing under the influences is tougher, I've found. But those lessons can seep into the writing when you can right. get it out with a clear head. Right. It's kind of how I see it. Right. Um, I think, yeah, people, different people, again, need different things in order to uh, access that well of creativity. Yeah. And some people are so much in their heads, actually, that they need to, to take something to kind of loosen up, it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, so they get out. That's how they get out of their own way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it can be helpful. So it might be great for Daniel. You know, um, and I think that also on a deeper level, when it comes to the content of writing, understanding yin and yang is a great help in creating things like characters. Mm-hmm. Um, great heroes and villains always have a yin and yang relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Darth yes. Vader, Luke Skywalker. Yes. In um, yes. all creativity and understanding a balance which we can learn through the Tao, is huge. Knowing when things should be quiet versus when things should be loud. Uh, when sentences should be long versus short, when they should be powerful or when they should be vague. Uh, when you should explicitly describe something versus allowing the audience to make it up in their own minds. Uh, when, Again, as we've said, when is playing a note better than silence? Yes. When is saying it better than not saying <laughs> it? Uh, when is... You know, describing yes. versus not. Um, it and reminds me of Hitchcock, who was yeah. so good at leaving things to the viewer's imagination. Yes. Which is always, of course, much worse <laughs> right. than if he just explicitly showed it. And a great, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and a great creative mind, which is in harmony with the Tao, knows that, and most importantly, has the faith to not describe it and to have the faith in the person on the other end of the book yes. that's reading it. Because yes. all, all, as someone said, writing is like, um, the, the writer is the bow, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the reader is the violin, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that's kind of the relationship. And so you have to let it produce that own vibration mm-hmm. internally. It's like creating the space for the uh, listener or viewer's creativity to manifest. Right. And having other things in the book that inspire that and yes. germinate that. Um, Someone once said that great writers are great thinkers. The Tao teaches us to look at the world with a mirror mind, that when we look upon it free of desire, we will see its mystery. And that's, that's where the stories come from. Um, and with clear minds and an unbiased viewpoint of the world, we can learn to find that magical gift that all great writers have, which is honesty. Mm-hmm. Because if you are writing from a place of honesty... It doesn't matter who that person is on the other end of the book. They could be something totally not like you or totally like you. They could be in, have a different, totally different worldview. But if you are honest and your reader has faith in your honesty, you can teach them something, yes. right? 
And, but, and it's knowing that reciprocal, which is also very Taoist, is understanding the reciprocal nature of words. It's not me yelling at you. Mm-hmm. This, this is a back-and-forth relationship mm-hmm. between author and reader. Mm-hmm. And finally, the journey of Tao cultivation is about finding our true selves. Those that find their true selves are able to express a unique perspective on the world and hone that into an artistic voice. With so many people creating and imitating, people who've developed a unique voice are hard to ignore. I once had a creative director I work with tell me that I'd do so much better if I magnified my own uniqueness and used that as creative fuel instead of trying to imitate others. Uh, Personally, I think that's the ultimate goal of any creative endeavor. And that, in the same way, the only, like, if you're doing something and it's not your unique voice, the world probably doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. We've already probably heard it. Mm-hmm. And so it's useless in, in, the, in this world of ideas. But when you find that thing that's just purely, uniquely you and express that, that can't be killed. Yes. You know? And that's what Steve Martin once said is, like, do, be so good at something that you're undeniable. Mm-hmm. And all the greats are... Are that way, um, and then on a uh, before I ever say read Shakespeare, go to the top of the mountain, and then forget about him and do your own thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think the the a true artist, a creative person, is someone who has the ability to breathe life into something that's not really a lot to create the illusion of life and ideas and living out of a dead piece of paper mm-hmm. or whatever you know. So ho- hopefully that is helpful. Uh, but I, I like when he set this thing because I started thinking about the Tao and creativity, and I had, a, you know, my my viewpoint was was small because I hadn't maybe thought about it enough. And then his email was able to help me learn something as well, which is. And like I said, there's that book on creativity and Taoism. Yes, yes I, I have to read that. That's, yes, that's a must read. Um, let's see here. So I hope that uh, people get that. Oh, also, there's one great thing to talk about. You know. Drugs and creativity and everything. There's this one news reporter that hung around with Dr. Hunter Thompson one day in like in the 70s, and he actually mapped out his day. And it was 3 p.m. awake, has a cup of coffee and a grapefruit and a glass of wild turkey. <laughs> 3 th- 3:30 p.m. cocaine. And then it would go through his whole day to the point where he was just calling his friends and yelling at him at four in the morning and then would wake up the next day at three. And he, and he wrote great stuff. Yes, he did. Um, I just finished Hell's Angels by him the other day. Did you? A great oh, book. Oh, my gosh. At the end where he got stomped by the angels. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. He gets beat up in the end. He trusts the Hell's Angels a little too much. Hey, that was the old saying that a Taoist is never eaten by a lion. Because a Taoist would not go into the lion, <laughs> lion's den. Dr. Thompson uh, did not. Oh, what, That's Gonzo for you. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what joy it is doing this show. Um, let's see here. We're going to do what? Chapter 19 of the Chapter Tao? Chapter 19 of the Tao Te Ching. Who? The Tao Te Ching. Okay, I think, did I pick this one or did you pick this one? I think you picked I this one. I think I picked this one. You picked this one. Yes. Because, why? Because it was right after... The last one we did, chapter 18. <laughs> ah. It was the natural flow of the order. Oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't read through the whole book and pick one Now, the funny thing is this uh, chapter leads into, I think, what we're, we're going to be discussing on the next show. So for the people who binge listen, it's going to be uh, <laughs> the way to go. In fact, I, I recently got a letter from someone who just said that, um, or an email from someone who said, I just listened to all, 
of 36 of the last episodes, and then I have some questions for you. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to answer his question one of these days, too. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> so, chapter 19. Give up sainthood, renounce wisdom, and it will be a hundred times better for everyone. Give up kindness, renounce morality, and men will rediscover filial piety and love. Give up ingenuity, renounce profit, and bandits and thieves will disappear. These three are outward forms alone. They are not sufficient in themselves. It is important to see the simplicity, to realize one's true nature, to cast off selfishness and temper desire. Mm. Wow. This is, yeah, this, there's a lot in here. Yes. There's, there's a lot to unpack, as they say. <laughs> so chap, this chapter, 19, similar to 18, Lao Tzu appears to caution us, again, to avoid attachments to external devices in order to rediscover our intuitive heart-centered self. Those others are, in his words, outward forms alone and not sufficient in themselves. Instead, we are advised to see our true nature, to see the simplicity by casting off selfishness and desire, attachments in other words, and we are thus more likely to lead a fulfilling existence. By giving up greed, he says, bandits and thieves will disappear. <laughs> Indeed, through generosity, we find our true sense of wealth through the richness of our spirits. As St. Francis Famously stated, it is in giving that we receive. Mm. Yes. Uh, you know, if if we if we start up top here, um, I know we're going to be talking a lot about knowledge uh, on the next show, so I don't want to go too in depth. But I think the basic idea here is like he's saying: give up sainthood, uh, renounce wisdom, um, and it'll be a hundred times better for everyone. I like that. Maybe a hundred <laughs> times, like kind of being like, look. Get over yourself, and you're going to make – no one wants to deal with your, your junk, right? Um, it's saying uh, give up sainthood and renounce wisdom. Now, I guess there's a difference between being a saint and walking around with your fingers up in the air and being quote-unquote saintly versus just being compassionate and good. Because right. that's, that's the pure form of it right. is being compassionate and good versus the – Status-seeking world of the saint exactly. or the bishop or the you know whatever exactly and then and clinging to titles and to position and to kind of you might say public uh, acknowledgement yes. that one has r supposedly reached some exalted state yes know, which I see all over the world oh yeah and those people end up being becoming corrupt yes right. <laughs> versus someone who's like a uh, a bodhisattva right and the Buddhist is, is a person that goes around quietly and helps other people without causing any attention to himself. Yes, exactly. Right? Um, See, that, that casting off selfishness, tempered desire, allows one to see the simplicity and realize one's true nature, mm -hmm. exactly as Lao Tzu commented uh, right here. Um, but you, you see, it, it does require something of someone to walk this Taoist path. Yes. You know, one has to walk the path. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't just put it out of your mind and go, oh, well, whatever, and I'll just keep doing what I've always been doing. 
which is probably coming out of the left brain, mm-hmm. out of the mind, and out of the emotional heart. Right. <laughs> you know, being attached to jealousy and, you know, the, the anger and resentment and limitation and uh, feeling sorry for oneself and all of those kind of emotional things, which are reactions to what is happening in the external world mm-hmm. through our attachment to what's happening in the external world. Right. If we observe what happens in the external world but aren't attached to it, then who we are, again, that inner nature, is not affected by mm-hmm. it. We're, that's the constancy. You know, the world will go up and down. You, it, it, we, there's no way to avoid that. But, if our, but our inner nature, which is part of the field, and the field is always evolving because that's the nature of nature to do so. Right. You might say we grow internally to the point where we can contain the ups and downs mm-hmm. without being tossed up and down by right. them. That, I think, is so crucial, yeah. a part of being t- able to live by what this Tao is all about. Yeah. Uh, the uh, average person uh, can't do that. Yeah, and when you're right when you say attachment, like when someone gets um, very offended and very upset when you talk about like closely held beliefs, like in a religion or politics, it's because they're so attached to it; it's part of their identity. Yes, and I've learned that I've, I've become a happier person as I've gotten older, and I've not, I've tried to. Uh, I'm in no way perfect of this, but I've tried to distance myself from being attached. I can have beliefs and I can have ideas and I can understand that I'm always open to others mm-hmm. at the same time. Having my own views shouldn't make me close-minded to other people's views or it shouldn't make me get offended when other people think differently or challenge them. Mm-hmm. Right, like And that's of, that detachment thing. It's like one of my Taoist teachers said, you know, a Taoist is curious. Oh, you believe that? Tell me about that. Uh, how did you come to believe that? What What experiences have you had that... Uh, ha- that have led you to see the world in that way. Or yeah. They have these views or they have those values. Tell me about that. You know, because much of the time they haven't closely examined those benchmarks themselves. Yes. They just have a belief, and because it sounds good and resonates emotionally with mm-hmm. what they believe in their head. Yeah. They trumpet it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. By expressing curiosity and being open to what they say, it actually helps them begin to question their own views in a way that they may not have done before. Yes. And it's very disarming. Very much. When lots of times people just expect some kind of fight or pushback. Well, they expect a challenge, a pushback. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And here you aren't doing that. In fact, you're opening the door. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Explain explain that to me. How how did did that happen? That's interesting. 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 Because only when you really understand someone and where they're coming from can you truly relate to them with compassion. Right. And when you relate to people with compassion, regardless of where they're coming from or what they believe, they feel better. Mm -hmm. And you just opened up a space for them to actually possibly change their belief. Or grow, yes. And by, by growing. Right. See, by growing... They may expand beyond their beliefs, and wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes, and I need I, I need to be challenged, you know, and given that as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Yeah, uh, it's a win-win. 
proposition yes. to approach uh, subjects like that. Um, looking at this here, there's a, there's a part that stuck out to me. Uh, and it's this idea that's big in Taoism, which is the concept of like, kind of mutual arising. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the idea of like, if there's profit, you'll create bandits. Right? Like once, once you put artificial values or values on something like that, then you are opening yourself up to thieves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, uh, if, if you have great wealth, then, you know, you're going to wind up in lawsuits constantly. <laughs> right? Like with, with everything, there's, there's going to be some backlash. Or there's going to be something that comes forward. If you, if you put yourself out there into the world, you're going to have to deal with criticism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I know that from doing podcasts and right. from doing writing. It's like you, it's like you create the, its opposite in a sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are just, you are making its uh, evil doppelganger. <laughs> Whatever you bring in the world this is great. <laughs> Recent on Twin Peaks, you have the main character, Dale Cooper, and he gets stuck in a position where now he has the, the yang to him who's running around who's pure evil. <laughs> and he's got to figure out how to get him out of here, right? Interesting. But yeah, you, you have mutual arising when when you bring in one thing, you 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 find the opposite. If I if I really attach myself to this sports team, I'm now going to have people fighting against me, or yes. you know, whatever, every, everything. Yes. Um, but I, I do like the idea of that when we create this kind of artificial sense of wealth and status, then you're going to inspire enemies or forces to rise up against you. But in, if you're the Taoist that you move and you walk through this world making no waves, you know, just gliding on the, ch- you're not going to create that karma, you know. Yeah, th- there's no pushback. Yeah. Because it's natural. You're just kind of flowing along and it, it doesn't create the, the ripple that's then going to hit the wall and bounce back. <laughs> right, right. Because it struck someone else's ego. Yes, yes. Um, let's see here. Well, I think... This is a good place to jump off, um, and we're gonna. This discussion is gonna pick up on our next show. Um, on what's this Dow? What's this Dow all about? Yes, we'll find out.